Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Lord God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for this time that we've had in worship. And I pray that these words this morning aren't my own, Lord, and they would be your words and they would achieve everything that you've sent them to achieve. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's getting into 2019, but it's still sort of that time where whether we like it or not, we're sort of thinking about the year that's gone past and the year that's ahead as everyone comes back from holidays, if you took holidays and starting to get into the swing of things, opening up the inbox for the first time in a month and realizing that there's a few things to get through. But it's often at this time, whether we want to or not, not just being poetic, but we actually have that time of reflection. And I've been meditating on this scripture in Lamentations where it says this, Yet I dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends, His mercies never cease, great is His faithfulness, His mercies begin afresh every morning. See, as Ramon said, I don't know what last year looked like, I don't know what this year is shaping up to be, but I can imagine that for some it was a hard time, for some it was a joyful time, and for most it would have been a a big old complicated web of both of those things, but how good is it that God's mercies aren't just new every year, but they're new every morning, amen? Okay, that's all right, we'll get there, we'll wake up. I feel like that's an exciting thing. And regardless of what it's been, regardless what worry and fear have tried to convince us is ahead, we can trust in the one who will never leave us or forsake us, and that's the hope that we have in Jesus. But it's been a massive year. Last year was a massive year. Uh, a few massive things happened in my life. Uh, I, I got engaged last year, and uh, to my amazing soon-to-be wife, very soon-to-be wife, Lanita, and that's four weeks now away. The wedding is four weeks, and I'm experiencing the eternal to-do list. It's amazing. Uh, but we're getting very, very close, and that's cool, and uh, bought a house as well. That's always an exciting thing. In Hampton Park, anyone from Hampton Park around here? No, yeah, neighbors, yep, awesome. And, and started renovations. Everyone's like, mm, yep, yep, mm-hmm. And then learned very quickly that you'd never really end renovations. They kind of just keep going. Anyone in that boat? Yeah. Well, when we bought this house, it was, um, it was amazing. The, the tenants tried their best to touch up a few patches on the wall. Uh, didn't quite match the paint properly. Uh, so it was beautiful. It was like murals of slightly off color. But the amazing thing about this house was it was mint green. Mm. Now, I'm talking the type of green that would have been like in around the 70s. It was the coolest thing going around. But the sad thing is this house wasn't necessarily built then. It was more built in the 90s. So whoever built the house just had a thing for green. Uh, and if you've ever painted before, you know painting over a color like green is an interesting experience. But we got into painting straight away because as much as I love the green, uh, we're going more for the not green look. Uh, so I jump up there and start painting. And we got given some paint, so I got all excited started painting, and after the first day, stood back and thought, it is good. I went to bed on the first day. Then I woke up the next day and decided, you know what, let's go another coat. We can still see a little bit of green. Paint another coat. 
throughout the bedrooms, stand back, it is good. I went to bed on the second day. Then I woke up, and by the third day when the green is still coming through, you start to get a little bit more disheartened. But it's okay. Third day, third coat, on it goes. Went to bed, a little bit nervous, woke up. It was still green. Three coats. And then I quickly realized after looking at the paint that we'd been given, was this paint was a great paint, but it wasn't the primer. You know, we, we were holy. You get given paint. You use the paint you're given. I mean, that's amazing because paint's expensive, right? But I quickly realized that it probably would have been a good thing to start with the right tool, which is primer. So then for another two days, we painted with primer, and then I did another top coat. So on the worst walls, we did seven coats of paint. Everyone's like, mm, yep, I feel your pain. Who's been there? Who's, who's painted their house? Who painted their house recently? Yeah, it's all right. There's a support group. We meet every second Sunday. It'll be fantastic. Just come and talk to me afterwards. But see, it's important to start with the right tools. It's important to start with the right tools. And for the segue of the century, God has equipped us with the tools we need to live life and life to the fullest. Can I get an amen? Everyone's like, wow, that was so smooth. You didn't even see that coming. See, but he equips us so that we can live no life not almost done, not pretty much no longer green-walled, but life filled with blessing, pushed down, shaken together, and running over, a life that is complete in Christ. I've been spending a bit of time in Hebrews over the last couple of weeks, and Hebrews is an amazing book. Uh, it's in the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one at the end of the service because it's just incredible. There's all sorts of stuff going on. But in Hebrews, it's an interesting book because the author's writing to a group of people who have experienced some pretty hard times. These are people who are starting to consider sort of turning back to their old traditions and old ways just because of the persecution that they've experienced because they're now followers of Jesus. And so after the author addresses a couple of things, talking about the supremacy of Christ and the importance and power of faith, he gives some practical instructions that I want to have a look at this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you open to Hebrews 13, and we're going to start from the start, and this is what it says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters, don't forget how, uh, don't forget, here we go, to show hospitality to strangers for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Don't, and this is what I want to focus on this morning, don't love money, be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never foul you, I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? I want to focus on verse six, uh, 5 and 6 this morning. Uh, if you're taking notes, I've entitled this message, So We Can Say. See, if you've been alive for any more than a couple of weeks, chances are, You've experienced something similar to what these people have experienced, those speechless moments 
when you're looking at whatever it is and you're saying, well, what can I say? What can I say? It, it, it's, it's a statement of complete and utter surrender. I, I just, I've got nothing. And I won't get you to put your hand up this morning, but I can guarantee that all of us have experienced that in some way in our own lives. Those moments where we just do not see a way through. But see, when we give our lives to God, then in our moments of speechlessness, in the face of the storm, we no longer need to cower in fear, but we can stand with confidence because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And the author of Hebrews makes that case. So we can say, what do you need to speak over your 2019? What do you need to speak over your 2019? I feel this morning there are people here who have experienced speechless moments in areas of your life where there's obviously, uh, there's on the surface no solution, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whether it's job stuff, whether whatever it may be, there are people here and you've experienced that firsthand. So from this passage, I want to talk about Four statements that we can claim over our situation. Now, these, these aren't the, this isn't the endless list because the more we read through the Word, the more we realize God's promises for our lives that we can grab a hold of, that we can claim, that we can start to speak into our situation. But I want to talk about four this morning that we can say not just every year, but we can say every morning. The first one is this. I can say I have contentment in His Provision, contentment in his provision. It says this, don't love money, be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. You can also read like this, make sure your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. See, Paul talks about this idea of contentment a couple times, and it's an important idea to understand in 1 Timothy, he teaches, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, he brought, we brought nothing into this world when we came into the world, and we, can take, we can't take anything with us when we leave. So if you have enough food and clothing, let us be content. When he writes to the Philippians, he says, I've learned how to be satisfied, how to be content when my stomach is full, and where my stomach is empty. Now, now we can read that and, and think, well, it's easy to be content when your stomach's full. But see, what Paul says is he actually had to learn how to live content when the stomach's full and when the stomach's empty. Because often we find that when we're stomach's full moment, we're on the mountaintop looking out at everything that's happened in our worlds and we're excited and we're, we're happy, we're joyful, we can grow complacent. We can start to get lazy. And then when we ride that roller coaster of life that inevitably happens and we start to experience those valleys, experience the depths, and we start to grow in contempt towards God, we start to get angry at God. But what Paul's encouraging us here to do is to find that level of contentment. Even though it goes up, even though it goes down, we can be content through life because he's given us the power to do so. 
And the word that Paul uses in Philippians is this word, is this word that essentially means self-sufficient. Self-sufficient. And it's an interesting word for him to use because that's a word that was popular for all the thinkers in the day, but it's just as popular today. I'm self-sufficient. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I don't need anyone else. I don't need anyone else. I can stand strong because of what I've done. I can, I can keep going because of what I've done. Look what I've achieved. Now, Paul isn't saying that we live life like that because when we come to Christ, we realize that that's not actually the case. What he's actually saying here is we're sufficient because of the work that Jesus has done in us. Amen? So we're self-sufficient, not in our own sufficiency, but we're self-sufficient in his sufficiency. And this is an important thing to stand on because as the waves of life throw us up and as the waves of life throw us down, we can stand content knowing that He is our provider. He is our provider. It's the difference between a thermometer and an aircon. We've had some hot days. Thank God for aircon. Can I get an amen? Some people don't have air cons. <laughs> Shopping centers with air cons. Come on. Movie theaters with air cons. Mm, glory. If you're taking notes, this is preaching. <laughs> See, air cons are good. Thermometers, not so useful. Well, they are useful because they remind us over and over and over and over again just how hot it is. Or in Melbourne, often just how cold it is. But beyond that, they don't really have a use. It's almost like they're complaining. It's almost like they're taunting us, saying, ha-ha, this is how hot it is. But an aircon, mm. an aircon doesn't just tell you the temperature. It controls the temperature. And when it's 40 degrees outside, you want something that can control the temperature. You want something that can control the atmosphere, who can bring change into a room when you walk in and it's just like heaven on earth. No one else is getting excited about this. I'm getting excited about this. Yeah, come on. Thank you, Ray. <laughs> See, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a thermometer. I don't want to be a complainer. Now, I'm not saying talking about problems. We, we need to talk about problems. That's important. We know that that's important. I'm talking about that lifestyle that just reminds of the temperature again and again, and again, complains again, and again, and again. Because the thing about our language is our, our words often reveal what's filling our heart. And so the only thing that's coming out of our mouth is negative, and negative, and negative, and negative. Oh, life is good, positive. Oh, no, it's negative again. If that's the only thing that's coming out of our mouth, then we're not actually operating in what we, how we're called to operate, but we're just reminding of the situation rather than looking towards the Father who's actually given us the power not just to be a thermometer, but to be an aircon, to be someone who walks into an atmosphere and begins to change the atmosphere. Can someone get excited this morning? Because we are not given a spirit of timidity and fear, but He's given us the power and authority to actually control the atmosphere. We don't need to be dictated to by what's going on around us, but we actually have the spirit to actually say to the situation, be still. Yeah. 
See, we don't need to ride the ups and downs of a storm. We can speak to the storm and say, you know what? Be still, peace. And even in the midst of all of that, even if we are at the top or we are at the bottom, even if the storm doesn't stop, we can be content in Him. We can be content in His provision. Second thing is this. I can say I have companionship in His presence. Companionship in His presence. He'll never leave us or forsake us. See, it's not just poetic to talk about His presence. It's not just nice. It's not just fluffy. The reality is we need His presence. We need His presence. And if we've made the decision to follow Jesus... We have his presence. And in that, we have companionship with him, that we're never alone. Why? Because he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. See, when you recognize your need for his presence, you'll hunger it. And when you hunger it, you'll chase after it. And what God says here is that he will never fail you and never abandon you. His presence is always fully accessible to you. And that's the thing we need more than anything else. His presence gives peace where there's seemingly no way through what we're looking at. See, that's the hope we have in Jesus. That's the hope that we have in Jesus. We see this over and over again in Scripture, how important His presence is. These aren't just stories of that's nice, if only it would happen to me. It's like, no, no, no. We can change that language because he said it here that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So we can approach this as if it were true because it is true. The only thing that stops us from experiencing his presence is us. So let me tell you something, church. His spirit has been poured out and continues to be poured out. At no point do I read in Scripture in the New Testament that his spirit has stopped. Which means if it's raining outside, the only reason I'm not getting wet is because I've got an umbrella over my head. Not because he stopped pouring out his spirit. After being mobbed, arrested, beaten, and imprisoned at midnight, Paul and Silas, sitting in the pit, were praying and singing to God, and everything shifted. You can't get much lower than that. Arrested, beaten, thrown in prison. What do they do? They seek his presence. Then the jail cells rattle, the gates fly open, the prison guard's family is set free. Was it them? No. It was his presence. The psalmist writes in Psalm 73, My flesh, my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and, the, and my portion forever. And I heard this quote that's attributed to Corey Ten Boom, who helped countless Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust during World War II. She says this, and, and I love this. I love this. 
You may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. You may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. How true. In sickness, in financial struggle, in relational tension, in the unknowns of the future, in his never-ceasing presence, we can find peace. We see this over again. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. Let me encourage you, regardless of what you see when you're looking around, start to look up at him and say, God, I just need your presence. See, we don't sing in church just because it's fun and it sounds nice, although it's both of those things. We sing because we're hungry for his presence. We lift up his name because we're desperate for his presence. And when we come together as a family and sing and lift up his names, then you may be having a great week and you're thinking, you know, this is nice, but I won't really put in today because I'm feeling good. What about the person next to you? Your praise and your worship could unlock something for them. See, when we come together as a family and we lift up his name, there's an energy there. We see when the Israelites walk around Jericho, what are they doing? They're playing instruments. Is that the best strategy you've ever heard? No, you'd never see that in a movie. There's a big wall. How are we going to get it down? Let's sing some songs and blow some trumpets. Perfect. But what happens? In that atmosphere, when his presence arrives, the walls fall down. We need his presence this morning, church. Third thing is this. I can say I have comfort in his protection. The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? What a statement to a persecuted people who are being arrested, who are being rallied up, who are being told they're going the wrong way. What can mere people do to me? can also be read, the Lord is for me, so I'll have no fear. What can people do to me? See, when you find contentment and companionship, then you will find your comfort and strength in him. I love Psalm 5 verse 11. It says this, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. There's praises again. Spread your protection over them that all who have your name may be filled with joy. That's a promise for someone this morning. To be filled with joy. When joy feels lost, when joy feels so far away, he's saying it's available to you. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. Comfort in his protection. For the sake of time, I want to move on to the last one. I've just mentioned three things so far. We can, we can flip through Scripture, and we can find countless promises. He's our provider. He's our healer. 
He's our comforter. He's our protector. The list goes on. But I can say all of these things because I have confidence in his promise. I have confidence in his promise. And when you're a kid, a promise is a big deal. Like, it's the highest institution of childhood. I'll say it. I'll say it. Promises are a big deal. You go up to someone and say, hey, can I tell you something? Yeah, you can tell me something. You got a promise, you won't tell anyone. I don't think I'm ready for that kind of commitment. So you got to process these things slowly, you know. And there's a certain level of friendship that's required to give a promise. But then it starts to get real. Because like, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, I'll promise I won't say anything. That's not good enough. You got a pinky promise. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. This is where it gets real. If you pinky promise, if you break that, man, clouds are going to fall down, everything's just going to go crazy. Pinky promise is a big deal. So I will pinky promise that I won't tell anyone. And for those who aren't so hygienically minded, you got a promise. Now, I never went there. It's like, if someone did that to me, I'm out. I don't care what the information is. It's like, I'm not about that life. But it's a thing. It's like something just, I, yeah, I won't show of hands. No one show of hands, but I don't know how I feel about that. But promises, safe to say, are a big deal. And when we grow up, we may not pinky promise as much anymore. I say we bring it back, just saying. So I want to buy that house. Pinky promise you'll pay this much. Oh, pinky promise. It's like that's, that's built on trust. I like that. That's a society built on trust. That'll preach. You're taking notes. Pinky promise. All right. Bring it back. Now it's just contracts, pieces of paper. And that's all really exciting. And, you know, you've got thick piece of paper and you read it all. And then just by signing your name, it's like, all right, locked in. See, but the thing about contracts, that promise that's made is a guarantee that represents a premeditated desire action. So it's a guarantee on something you've already decided is the case. We've talked about it. Here's the details. It's all on paper. No going back now. Sign on the dotted line. And a year's subscription of Reader's Digest. It's all yours. But there's nothing that that contract really creates in and of itself because the details were already squared away. The, the fine print, the reality of that contract was already written down. It's just an agreement. See, the promise doesn't create truth. It simply describes truth. Are you following me? I want that house. You want to sell it. We agree on the figure. We'll write up a contract, sign it. The contract represents and holds both parties accountable. Bit of law studies right there. But with God, he doesn't just speak truth. He speaks reality. He speaks how things, uh, how things are. D just hear me out for a second. He doesn't speak truth of something. He speaks truth and something is created from nothing in obedience to his words. See, we can only promise what's possible or what exists or what we've spoken about. 
if we were going to build a table, we don't just sort of magically create timber and then build a table. The tree exists, we chop down the tree and we build a table. Or if we're sculpting. The piece of rock exists, uh, exists, and then you sculpt the piece of rock to become something else. See, but when God speaks, he creates something from nothing. So when he speaks, he speaks truth. He doesn't speak in the confines of what we know to be true. When he speaks, it becomes true. Are you following me this morning? So when he promises something, he's not just saying, yeah, you know, I'll promise that this thing that we've already spoken. No, no, when he promises something, when he says something, we can trust that it has happened because he said it and he speaks truth. Amen? So when we think about these things, when we think about these statements, it's not we're hoping that something will happen. We're hoping that this thing will pan out the way that God says it was, but we're not, we're not quite sure. When he speaks, if we claim that truth, then that truth becomes reality in our lives. He doesn't obey truth. Truth is formed as he speaks. When God said, let there be light, and there was light. Was there light before we're told no. Let there be light. There was light. Then God said, let there be space between the waters to separate the waters of heavens from the waters of earth. And that is what happened. Then God said, let waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. You're picking up on a trend. See, God spoke and his word formed reality that we now know. So when he promises something, it isn't just holding him to his words, it's his words holding reality accountable to its obedience. When he speaks, when he promises something, it isn't just holding him accountable to his words, it's his words accounting, rea uh, uh, holding reality accountable to his obedience. And we see that here. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. God has said it. And because he said it, it is. And that's the confidence we can hold on to this morning. That's the confidence we can hold on to every day. That's the confidence that we can wake up and know that he's got us, that we can be content in his provision, that we can find comfort in his protection, that we can walk with him day by day in companionship because he has said. If the band can come up, that'd be awesome. So we wrap up this morning. See, when he says, I will never leave you, I will never abandon you. We are not just hoping it will happen. We are confident that it must happen because he said it. So whatever we face in 2018, whatever we're looking ahead to in 2019, even though it may look bad to natural eyes, even though it may not even all make sense, 
We can be totally confident in his promise to never leave us or forsake us. Now, that doesn't mean it's all going to be smooth sailing. Because we see that we're actually promised persecution to those who follow him. But it means every storm can be faced with the confidence of his promises as not just a nice thought, but as fact. What does 2019 look like? What does your current situation look like? People need to claim some promises over your life this morning. Because here's the thing. You choose to be confident. You choose to be confident. It's a choice. You may say your situation was never a choice. How can you say that? And you're right. It may not be. For some it may be. For others, the only explanation is that we live in a broken world. And the fruit of that broken world is that there's death, is that there's destruction, is that there's trouble. But this morning, regardless of all of that, you can choose to be confident in his promises. Because he will never leave you or forsake you. But to do that, you actually need to put down what you're holding on to, that fear. That evaluation that you've given a situation. You've got to understand, God's ways are higher than our ways. And if we're looking at something and we're saying, yeah, but I'll never get through that. Oh, but there's no way around that. There's no way I can beat that. The, the doctors have given this report and that's all that it says. Or I don't know how we're going to meet next month's bills. Or th- this, this relational situation, it's just falling apart at the seams and I just don't know what to do. And because I don't know what to do, I guess there's nothing that can be done. But here's the thing. There's an element of surrender that's needed to put those things down and to grab onto his promises and say, you know what? I have confidence in his promise that God will never leave me. God will never forsake me. Someone needs to claim this this morning because this is for your 2019. He's stirring something in this place. He hasn't called us just to sit down and be quiet. The enemy would love that. Oh, oh, the enemy would love that. Just have just a quiet faith, and it's just you and Jesus. and That's awesome, but he's called you not just to sit in an atmosphere. He's called you to change the atmosphere. He's given you the tools to change the atmosphere. So this morning, you're thinking about what's coming up. You're thinking about what is, and you're, even now, the argument's raging in your head. Oh, but that one's not for me. It's nice for the person next to me, but, you know, for me, it's, he doesn't know. It's like, I don't know, but he does. And because of his promises, I can stand up here as if I know and say, you know what? God's bigger than anything we're facing. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, 
check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.